Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them the tools and things that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to go a little bit different route, but we're still going to be talking about how to use social media to promote what you are doing. But we're really going to talk a lot about nonprofits and how they can use social media. But more importantly, we're going to be talking with a gentleman who literally went to 50 states in 100 days, live streamed from various nonprofits at every single one of those states. And this is just going to be so much fun because I promise it is going to be an absolutely fascinating program. So please join me in welcoming Chris Strub to our program today. Welcome. Hey, good morning. We need the applause button now. I I do have one of these buttons. (laughs) Oh, there's the Joel Kahn button. I love it. it. That's great. It is Joel Kahn's button. So I actually know Joel. So, but yeah, so that is my Joel Kahn button. Excellent, so, um, excellent. We've digressed already. See, I can tell this is going to be so much fun. So let's, yeah. let me get let me back on track and tell folks just a little bit about you. So Chris Strub is a forward-thinking, authentic social storyteller, live-streaming course instructor, and millennial keynote speaker with an optimistic, why not, approach. As the first person to live-stream and Snapchat in all 50 states, and the creator of the new Live Streaming for Nonprofits online course. Chris is passionate about helping businesses, especially nonprofits, establish and sharpen their digital storytelling skills. As the author of 50 States, 100 Days, the book, Chris has been featured by Fox 5 New York, ABC 6 Philadelphia, Newsday, The Lansing Journal, and dozens of other news outlets. His resume includes stints with Humana, live streaming app Live.me, and Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. And he's worked individually with more than 100 nonprofits in all 50 states. Holy cow, I get tired just thinking about it. So welcome, Chris. Oh, good morning. It's, it's been a fun few years, that's for sure. And uh, plenty to talk about today. I'm very excited to be here. You know, and even though this adventure took place two years ago. It is something that is very clearly still an ongoing mission and passion of yours. And I just love that. Yeah. You know, when we talk about the value of a story, um, you know, the the trip itself to me in my mind uh, feels like it was forever ago, right? right? But there are so many uh, outlets and so many people on the internet, to be honest with you, that every time I share the story, um, it's new to, to everyone who hears it for the first time and even the second time. So um, I love resharing this story. Uh, I love talking about the travels and especially the nonprofits and the kids that I got to work with. Um, you know, I made a pledge to each of them uh, along the way that uh, this would become part of my life's mission is to help share their stories and amplify them. And uh, I'm excited to keep that going here today. Right. So, you know, of course, the first obvious question is why the heck would you even decide to do this? Especially all 50 states in just 100 days. Yeah, no, I I appreciate you you, uh, reading the bio a minute ago, and I think the answer was right there. And the answer is, why not? You know, um, know, I was uh, getting up into my late 20s, 
and um, was pretty tired of my my nine to five job uh, in upstate New York. Um, and I realized I, I kind of wanted to just make the biggest possible uh, positive impression on the world that I could. Right. And, um, you know, I love traveling. I love road tripping. Uh, I'm not shy to travel by myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these these last few years have been very formative for uh, this new era of storytelling. Right. Um, Snapchat, live streaming, um, even different methods of Facebook and Instagram uh, are coming about. And um, these are our methodologies that nonprofits in particular uh, are often behind the curve with. Mm-hmm. And so I said, why not as as a, uh, a storyteller who's not shy um, to get out there and, and use these tools, why not go out and identify some stories around the country mm-hmm. um, that need to be told. And I think, you know, you mentioned you read the book. Um, all of these stories deserve to be told over and over again, and I was mm-hmm. proud to, to, to help with that. Right. Well, and by actually saying you're going to do 50 states in 100 days, that made it a very finite goal. Um, you know, and, and in the marketing world, a lot of us would call that a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, because, I mean, that that really is something that for many people, for most people, their eyes cross and they just go, no, I can't do it. But if you had said, oh, I'm going to do one here, one there, right. you might have done 10 and, you know, and then moved on. And, and you know, but by saying right. I am absolutely going to do this, you had to do it. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I think any business person or any marketer can, can grasp onto. Not the idea of traveling to 50 states necessarily, but um, setting a, an enormous goal and then uh, being determined to complete that uh, at whatever cost. And that very much came to, to fruition during the trip as well. You know, getting into New Mexico and getting into Maryland, not to spoil all the fun of the, the book itself. But, um, you know, the idea, of course, is to create something um, you know, simple is sort of a strange way to put it, but the idea itself is simple in that, um, anyone retelling the story to their friends or family, uh, can say, Hey, I, I met the 50 States guy or Hey, the, the 50 States guy was here today. Um, you know, that, that makes your brand so much more, um, recognizable, you know, in this, this big picture where there's so much noise and there, there's so many different, uh, storytellers and so many different channels to tune into. Um, you know, I wanted to, to make it as easy as possible for, for people to understand and to, to share, uh, the story. Right. Well, and of course, one of the goals was obviously to get, media exposure for all of the nonprofits. And by making yourself this 50 states guy, that is what helped draw press attention to your, your various visits. It was such a great pleasure to bring attention to so many of these organizations. I can't tell you how excited so many of these groups were mm-hmm. when, when the news truck pulls up and they, they come over and they say, Chris, you know, we want to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. blah. And you know, I remember, particularly in Austin, Texas, I just remember how excited Steve was when the truck pulled up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm more than happy to give a comment, but I really want you guys to talk to Steve. You know, he, he's done this fantastic job as the director here at the Boys and Girls Club. And mm-hmm. um, he, he's, this is the first day of, uh, you know, classes, so to speak, in the summer. And he's approaching it with this, this bilingual uh, strategy. And um, he was so excited and his eyes just lit up. And, you know, to be able to repeat that over and over again around the country, you know, Vermont, 
you know, at King Street Center, you know, she was so excited uh, to be interviewed on the news that day. And, um, you know, yeah, I was I was a part of it. I'm happy to, to be the, the so-called face of the trip. But uh, for me, those news clips, those those newspaper clippings in, in North Dakota, oh, like everywhere I went, you know, the opportunity to to bring attention to these organizations was was invaluable. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a good time. Well, and many of the organizations were what we would consider to be a large nonprofit, like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, you know, organizations like that. Mm-hmm. But you were in very small communities. So, you know, whereas Big Brothers, Big Sisters in Denver might get a lot of attention, you know, the the one, it, your goal was more to, to go towards these smaller communities. Yeah, you know, to me, it wasn't necessarily about the size of the city. And we could talk all day about the, the idea of planning a, a road trip, you know, particularly without a sponsor. Um, that you, you notice as you look at the map that there weren't a lot of big cities along the way. Mm-hmm. I did stop in Los Angeles. But, you know, I make, make it to Massachusetts, you go to Lowell instead mm-hmm. of Boston, right? right. Or mm-hmm. uh, you go to Peoria instead of Chicago. So um, for me, all of these communities, all of these organizations um, have a vital story. And uh, for me, a lot of the, the, the hope along the way was to share the stories, especially of these organizations that are doing, uh, you know, work that could uh, that could be taking place in any community, mm-hmm. but is really focused in one place. The best example of that would be Youth on Their Own in Tucson, Arizona, right? right? So this organization, um, they help uh, teenagers, uh, homeless teenagers graduate mm-hmm. from high school. That's their, right. their main goal. And you say, wow, this, this incredibly successful program in Tucson, mm-hmm. um, what if someone in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin... Mm-hmm heard about this and they were looking for their own organization to start. Right. And now they, they've learned about youth on their own from the trip, mm-hmm. from the book, from the video, what have you. And they pick up on this idea. Now they get in touch with Kristen from youth on their own. And now we've helped launch another organization on the other side of the country mm-hmm. by connecting the dots. Right. That, that was so much the big picture mm-hmm. idea of the trip, right? Was to focus on all of the great things that are happening. And I still Deb in my mind, dreaming one day that I'll have the means to bring representatives from all these organizations together, mm-hmm. you know, to okay, St. Louis or somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so much of what, what makes social media a, a, uh, such a, a powerful tool, right? Mm-hmm. Is this collaboration right. that we can come together, get to know one another, learn from each other's ideas. And I think anyone that reads the book, you can enjoy it as an on the road type thing. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a nonprofit executive staff member and, and so on, you might learn about different, you know, facets of nonprofits mm-hmm. that you hadn't thought about before. So um, it, it's a great way to, to sort of try and capture a, as big a, a bite out of the, the nonprofit world around the country as, as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, you made the decision before you ever started the trip and you did a lot of research. You set, you set up a lot of the, the trip as, you know, in, in as far in advance so, as you possibly could. So why oh, yeah. did you decide to focus on youth organizations? Great question. Um, so in December of 2014, I had a transformative uh, volunteer experience mm-hmm. with an organization called Pay Away the Layaway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's run by my friend and fellow Binghamton Bearcat alum, Lee Karshauer. Mm-hmm. And 
this organization pays off layaway plans for families in areas in need around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be a layaway angel um, where I represented the donors from around the world uh, at a Walmart in Greer, South Carolina. And mm-hmm. that morning, um, I felt an emotion that I had never felt before. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to quite literally save Christmas for uh, some families there in South Carolina. And of course it wasn't me. I was sort of the vehicle, right. mm-hmm. you know, for all these donors, uh, from around the country, you know, around the country and around the world. Um, but, but having that energy channeled, uh, through me and, and getting to see those tears and give those hugs, I said, Oh my goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I replicate this emotion as much as possible? I want more of that. <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's almost like a drug, you know, where you say, to be able to give back, to be able to, to give it, to pay it forward and to give that emotion to people and to, to, um, make a positive difference in this world that, that even, especially this year is, is drowning in such negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I said, you know what Th- this, and, and also from a, from a content marketing perspective, you know, from a, a strategic perspective, I think the more zoomed in you can be with mm-hmm. your, with what you choose to do, the more marketable, so to speak it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was better to have at least some sort of lane to stay in than to just say, I'm going to go visit a nonprofit because there, right. there's, you there's hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And there's so many different nonprofits out mm-hmm. there, you know, that, um, having a, a specific theme, um, you know, of youth, uh, wasn't too drilled down. So that left enough options open, as you know, you read the book, but, um, it, it was, it was drilled down enough to, to say, yeah, this is, this is a great, br- uh, a breath of fresh air for, uh, you know, those helping the next, uh, generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, it was something that obviously was strategic on your part because you had to plan as much as you could. Um, you know, and, and, you know, there were points in the book where, you know, you mentioned the fact that sometimes you hadn't heard back from the organization <laughs> and, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. you, know, you kind of had to wing it. And, but the, the nice thing was it all fell together. Um, you know, there were some tense moments, obviously, for a variety of reasons, but it really did all come together. And, and I love that. But what I loved about the book was you talked about, you know, there were some times that you weren't quite sure. And times when you thought, what the heck, why am I doing this? I've reached my limit. You know, all of those various things. So this is not just Pollyanna happy, happy book. This is, no. is a book that really does talk about the experiences that you had. Yeah, it, it was certainly not Pollyanna happy, happy. Um, there were uh, quite a few junctures where mm-hmm. things seemed in doubt. Um, you know, and you talk about the planning uh, Deb, the planning was harder than the trip itself. Right. I mean, it's it's very very difficult, not just to identify and research where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ma- the mapping part is fun, mm-hmm. but the idea of trying to sell the uh, uh, trying right. to sell the idea You're of thinking, hey, who the heck are you? Yeah, right. look, I, I'm some guy coming in a Honda. Can I have four hours of your time to come hang out and take pictures with the kids and you know serve food and. Um, you have to individually sell the concept everywhere you're going. And, uh, you know, that was the hardest part, you know, the repeated emails and the phone calls, but to get back to your, your, your bigger point, um, there were quite a few junctures where I thought everything was going to fall apart. I remember the first one was in Memphis where I pulled up to big brothers, big sisters of the mid South. And I, I had not had the meeting confirmed. Mm-hmm. And it made it all the way up to, I had pulled into the parking lot. I was going to go knock on the door and be like, Hey, did you get my email? 
yeah, I, I am here, right? And um, this was state number seven, I think. So mm-hmm. even that early in the trip, right. I, I really wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, but again, when, when you open up the book and you get through the dedication to my mom and everything, mm-hmm. chapter one starts with, with Kim Brown, the, the late Kim Brown, uh, unfortunately. I don't want to get emotional here talking about it, but... Um, as, as you saw, each chapter begins with the, the quote that was written on the car. Right. So I, I should explain that real quick. Yeah. I drove a 2007 Honda car, Accord. Because I love that concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2007 Honda Accord. I call it the Honda Hotel because I stayed in the, uh, the backseat of the car 14 times during the trip, which, oh. was, which was no fun. A little brutal. Um, yeah, uh, up in Montana and North Dakota and so forth. And you're um, six foot tall. So, yeah. I am, mm-hmm. Yes, I am a, a healthy six foot tall. Uh, so there's not exactly an expansive mattress that fits in the backseat there. But um, at each stop, I asked the organization to write a uh, their best piece of advice for a young person. Yes, mm-hmm. physically write on the car mm-hmm. their best piece of advice for a young person. And those quotes uh, kick off each chapter mm-hmm. um, along with a photo from each, each organization. And the very first quote that was written on the book was, uh, e, uh, on the car, excuse me, was E-W-O-P. Mm-hmm. And that stands for everything works out perfectly. And that came at the perfect moment, which was day one. Right. Um, because as it turned out, she was right. You know, mm-hmm. that everything did work out perfectly. Even, you know, when I'm laying in a bed in, in Connecticut and I don't have Rhode Island planned out the next day, mm-hmm. um, it worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when I roll up to, to Memphis or when I get to New Mexico and I'm, I'm crying my eyes out, um, before I walked over to Hardee's and had a cheeseburger and tried to calm down, um, it worked out perfectly. And to, to be standing here now, two years later, um, and actually, uh, as we're going live here, the 24th, uh, this is just about the two year anniversary of, uh, of the completion uh, of the trip. Um, it, it, it really means a lot to be able to, to realize that everything did work out perfectly. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk some more about the car because to me, it became a work of art, you know, and, and uh, yeah. I love seeing the pictures of it and, you know, and, and, but what happened to it? I mean, you know, they're, they're really, I was thinking, Oh, what happened to the car? So the car, um, uh, delightfully, the car is still mine. Um, I, I have it here. I'm looking at it now as I'm walking around outside here at the house. Um, I did remove the signatures from the car, uh, about a year after the trip ended. Um, just because it was, it was, it felt like it was time to move on and try and focus on something else. Um, you know, it's hard to maintain, signatures that are written in paint on your car, unless Mm -hmm. you you have it like finished. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm not exactly, you know, the, the paint actually holds, holds up pretty good through the, the weather. Um, but for me, it was just more an emotional thing, right? That this, and when you read through the book, you notice, you know, the book ends and uh, again, I really don't want to ruin it, but, um, that I don't want this to be the, the be all end all of, uh, my career. You know what I mean? That the, the trip is over, mm-hmm. but I am very much ready to, uh, either keep traveling or mm-hmm. uh, move on and work with the next brand or, or whatever it is that, um, I don't want to be, uh, it's ironic to describe it this way, but I don't want to be the 50 States, 100 days guy right. for the rest it's of my life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's an accomplishment that, um, 
you know, I hope that there are many more, even uh, more significant accomplishments. So uh, the, the car, I'm still driving the car. I'm mm-hmm. sure I'll be in it today, driving to Planet Fitness. Um, there's still a few signatures written on the car. I left the ones from my family up there as well as a few of my other favorites. But um, it gets a little um, uh, silly isn't the right word, but it's interesting to drive uh, the signed car around the same five or six blocks every day, right. um, <laughs> as right. opposed to driving it around well, the country. And obviously, you have photos and, and videos and all of that, so, yeah. so it still yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and as you mentioned, each chapter starts with what people wrote on the car. And and I loved reading that, because some were just kind of silly, but they were all inspirational. Um, you know, and... and and I just thought that was such a cool memento, both for them and for you, that they would think, well, hey, this is what, what I'm going to write. The the idea of the car, I think, mm-hmm. was even cooler than the, the physical car itself. Right. You know, that um, the, the story, of course, it, it's, you know, every story that I absorbed going around the country, it, it, it turned into the book. And, you know, I'll always have those memories and so on and so forth. But in a world where we love visuals, right? We love that physical representation. The car is and always has been just so special to me because everyone could see it and everyone could experience it and you could be a part of it. You know, do you want to write on the car? You know, it was really, really wonderful. It it gained so much attention um, from the the newspapers and the television stations. You know, the the car was shown all over the place. People would take pictures of the car on the road. I would have people honk at me and say, hey man, can you pull over? I want to sign the car. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, the car very much became a symbol of Mm -hmm. what the the entire trip represented. And, And I wish it was you know, uh, a Chevrolet or, or some uh, really American right. brand, uh, you know, but uh, a huge shout out to Honda, who in no way sponsored the trip. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that car has been incredibly reliable um, uh, over the last few years for me. Well, and because you drove everywhere except for obviously Hawaii and Alaska. Right. Um, you know, and, right. And it, how many miles did you put on your car? Just curious. I'm sorry, you cut out there for just a second. How many miles did you put on the car? Um, so the 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 uh, 2015 trip was uh, a shade under 15,000 miles total um, at driving. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not counting the, the flights to Alaska and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually took a trip the year before as well. I took right. a trip mm-hmm. in 2014. Uh, that trip was just over 15,000 miles. So it, it, long story short, if you want to drive to 48 states and, and have some fun, it's going to be about... Uh, 15,000 miles. Mm-hmm, right. um, and the, the car in its lifetime, we're going to hit about 153,000 miles probably later this week mm-hmm. uh, career. Holy cow. Holy cow. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I love that concept of, of driving because you're like me. You know, we love road trips. I was, you know, when, when I was young and growing up, we did that. That was what my, you know, we did every summer was, you know, now we, we had a trailer. wasn't having to sleep in the back of the car. Um, but, you know, we would, would go on these various places. And to me, it was just so much fun to really be able to do that because you met the coolest people in the world as you're doing a road trip. You know, and, 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 and it really was just such an experience. You know, I can't envision doing it alone like you did. Um, and I know, you know, as, as you mentioned in your book, there were times where being alone just, you know, every once in a while just really got to be too much. Um, but you got to see, again, so many cool people. And 
you know, and, and and so you didn't just visit these nonprofits and say, hi, how are you? Would you like to do a quick little Instagram? Right. You worked with as many of the organizations as you possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it, there was a broad variety of uh, physical activity that took mm-hmm. place uh, during the trip, some more strenuous than others. Mm-hmm. I think the, the most exhausting day was at uh, Youth Rebuilding New Orleans, uh, one of my very favorite organizations right there at the beginning of the book, mm-hmm. um, where I spent a, a day working with a, a local, I think it was like an elementary school group, um, moving around debris from a house that had been ruined in Hurricane Katrina 10 years earlier. Right. Um, you know, and that, that was sort of the, the bigger theme of the book, right? It wasn't just going to, to visit these organizations, like you said. Um, at every single one, I wanted to physically volunteer uh, with, with the logic that I wanted to, you know, show the, the readers and show the viewers, uh, listeners and so on, um, how much fun it can be right. to volunteer, but mm-hmm. also also the broad variety of volunteer opportunities, right? right. right that for, there's for so many pretty much any level of right. you can go and volunteer. And I learned so much about you know uh, volunteerism and and the ways that uh, organizations try and embrace and try and uh, harness the power of their volunteers. Uh, mm-hmm. It it totally spans the spectrum. And the big again, the big idea with the book is. No matter what your talent, no matter what your skill, and every organization will tell you this, um, they could use you. You know, they, they can use your help. Uh, you know, even if you, you hate working with kids, there are so many ways that you can uh, benefit a, a youth-related organization. Um, you know, using you know, if you're a carpenter or a plumber or a, uh, an internet specialist or whatever, whatever it might be. for one of them. Oh, that was so much fun up in North Dakota sitting down. Yeah, I was doing a newspaper interview while I was entering, uh, you know, results from their or, or the registrations for their upcoming 5K uh, mm-hmm. up in uh, for the Best Friends Mentoring Program in North Dakota. Um, you know, anything uh, mm-hmm. you can do to to help these organizations. They they love it. They really, right. really do. And, um, I, you know, Deb, the last point on this is. I think a lot of organizations can really learn from each other and learn mm-hmm. from the right. ways that other organizations are, are doing this, right? Mm-hmm. That um, not every organization is totally optimized with the way that they bring in volunteers mm-hmm. and the way that they, they track them. So um, again, it's just a constant reminder that uh, when we work together and when we learn from other organizations, learn from other people, um, we can all do better with, with what we're, we're working on day to day. Right. You know, and, and whether it's an individual or you do it as, say, a teamwork project or, or whatever, you know, right. there, there are so many ways that people can get involved. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, that's always been a passion of mine. I was brought up that you gave back. You know, that was just, you know, part of, of you know, what mm-hmm. my mother and my father mm-hmm. always said was, you know, how can you do this? And so I was very active in Girl Scouts and, and you know, some things like that. And, um, you know, and, and but even now, I mean, you know, I still volunteer. I don't volunteer as much as basically I would like to because, I you know, there are so many hours in the day. But, you know, it is something, again, like we were saying, maybe you only have an hour a month. Well, you know, contact that local organization that piques your, your interest. And say, hey, I've got an hour. What can I do? And more importantly, if you're that nonprofit, you better be able to find an hour for them. Um, right. Don't say, oh, yep. you know, we're sorry. You have to do six hours a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, is it more difficult? Obviously. You know, and, and but, but, you know, that one hour a month from somebody 
could A, turn into many more hours, or B, or and or B, turn into financial contributions also. I mean, you know, so you never want to think, I can't fit this person in. Figure out a way that you can. Right. And, you know, the other big thing that I talk a lot about, you know, I live a lot in this social media sphere, right, Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, most people listening to this probably are very active on social media. And, um, you know, I love talking to fellow social media entrepreneurs and and, uh, uh, web designers and and Twitterers and encouraging them to share their digital gifts with Mm -hmm. their local nonprofits as well that, um, yes, it's great to go out and help pull weeds in the garden and go play kickball with the kids and, and do that. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying, but, um, a lot of these organizations are, um, digitally, uh, handicapped and they're, they're, they're strapped for these resources mm-hmm. that, uh, folks like you and I take for granted, right? Mm-hmm. We were talking in the pre-show about creating Instagram stories and such. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, a, that's not a native language to most of these organizations, right. You know, so if you're Joel Com or if you're creating Instagram stories every day as part of what you do for your business, mm-hmm. why not consider taking, you know, a Saturday afternoon, go in and, you know, maybe not even just create a story about that experience, but also mm-hmm. offer to sit down with that director, with that staff member and say, look, here's how you can do this, right? That these, these trainings and these tools um, that we can demonstrate, um, it was really incredible to be able to open the eyes of all these organizations right. who didn't even know what Snapchat was mm-hmm. or who, who would never consider using a live streaming platform to share their message, you know? Well, and as you mentioned, they, they don't know it exists. And, and, you know, that's through no fault of their own. It's because they're busy doing other things, um, you know, and, and they don't have time to stop and, and learn how to do it. So, you know, maybe... You can do a Facebook Live um, right. or you know, all these various things because really, for the most part, you know, like you said, so many of the people that are listening today do have some skills in social media, you know, and, and so volunteer to help, you know, have them set up a Facebook page, you know, and, and work with them on, on how to post. There's a, an organization down here in Atlanta, Sweetwater Mission, that I have been working with to get them very active on Facebook. And, you know, I went and gave a training there a couple of weeks ago, and, and they mentioned that someone, had, one of their fans of their page, had shared a post, just, you know, hit, hit the share button, you know, easy mm-hmm. to do, sure. and that led to a donor who said, this sounds like a great organization, how can I help? And, you know, right there, that was just as simple and as basic as it gets but was tremendous. It's really incredible. Uh, you know, I've been presenting about social media all summer around the country and one, you know, each, each speech I give is different, but, um, one thing I talk, try and talk about at each place is the 99 one rule, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, uh, 90% of the people who see your content, uh, on social media online, uh, won't say anything. Right. So we always have to remember as creators that uh, what we're putting out there, the messages that we're, we're speaking about, uh, people are listening. They are mm-hmm. seeing what we're talking right. about. And, um, you know, if done correctly, uh, those messages can totally inspire action. Um, but you can't let a lack of immediate response uh, discourage you um, from creating. Again, uh, it's very cool to hear about your experience down there. Uh, with that organization. And I certainly have seen some very similar um, results with, uh, you know, the, the 50 states, 100 days trip. I know specifically in West Virginia, um, you know, Sarah McDowell, 
from Big Brothers Big Sisters has, has told me that, uh, you know, we did a big interview about the Schoenbaum Center, which is this beautiful complex um, that they have there in, in Charleston, uh, right there on the river. And, uh, you know, they were getting phone calls, uh, you know, about the center and how they were able to get all these organizations to agree to, to work together mm-hmm. in this, this one place. And that's exactly the sort of idea that every community can embrace. Mm-hmm. Every city out there should have something like the Showmount Center. Right. You know, so so to be able to say, look at what's happening in Charleston, which is not exactly the, you know, the city on the hill. It's not exactly mm-hmm. the city right. that you ordinarily look to and say, oh, Charleston is doing everything uh, perfectly. But, you know, there are certain things in every single community um, that are being done so, so well. And, and that's why it was so exciting to be able to share all those stories and, and bring them all together. Right. Well, and you just mentioned the key word, especially for nonprofits, and that's story. You know, you you have to be able to tell the stories of the people that you serve. Now, obviously, you know, in, in many cases, you can't use their name, you know, some things like that. But you can talk about what you did. Um, you know, at Sweetwater Mission, you know, one of the things that they posted about several weeks ago was how many pounds of apples they have given away. And I told him, I said, okay, that's a cool story because it was, it was really, really lots of apples. And I said, but what if, and I, and I told him, I said, don't ever make the stories up. Never, ever, ever. You know, you can change the mm-hmm. names and all those various things, but don't make the stories up. And I said, but just think if you'd actually had a story that talked about the young single mom who had taken the apples and made apple pie for the first time for her kids. Ding, 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 ding. You know? And and I yeah. so and I, I told them I said look for those stories that's what will tug at the heartstrings of people yep um, you know and 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 there is a fine line between tugging at heartstrings and exploiting I mean you know there there really is that that kind of fine line but how do you work with nonprofits to really get them to find those stories I think the point that you just made is is perfect and I I heard a very similar idea recently. Uh, I was out in San Francisco, um, and the woman's name is Holly Beckman, Holly Beckerman. Uh, her, her screen name is at apartmentalist, her screen name. Here I am in the nineties again, her, her Twitter handle. Um, mm-hmm. and she, she gave the exact same idea, right? she was talking about, uh, it was, it was a, a sadder story about how, um, she had lost her friend in a car mm-hmm. crash. And instead of talking about the number of people that had, uh, died in car crashes around the, uh, the world, what have you, she talked about the shards of glass that she didn't want to clean up right. from the neighborhood because they reminded her of her, her late friend. And, mm-hmm. uh, the, the whole room was in tears hearing that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that that mirrors exactly what you're saying about the apples. Right. That uh, many nonprofits look at that pile of apples and they say, oh, OK, well, we wrote a Facebook status about the, you know, uh, million pounds of apples. Now mm-hmm. what's next? But those million pounds of apples represent a million different stories right. that, you know, can be broken down in ways that exactly the way you just described it, right? And again, most organizations don't think of it that way, but the idea that um, we want to use less words, I forget exactly how Holly phrased it, I should go back and look at the notes, but less words on the bigger ideas and use more words on the smaller ideas, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the more you, Ooh, you parcel mm-hmm. it down. Yeah, because that's what people really identify with, mm-hmm. right? They want to hear, they, they don't want to hear about the, the 4 million girls across the, and I don't know if that's the right number, the 4 million, you know, seven-year-old girls across the country at the Boys and Girls Club, they want to hear about Abby. 
who wants mm-hmm. to be the, the first girl president in, right. in 2052. 2052. Right. So there you go. Right. You, you, I say Abby and your eyes lit up because you remember the story from the book. Mm-hmm. Right. And anyone right. who's read the book knows who Abby is. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you, when you break down these big picture ideas and you, you look at all the different strains and all the different iterations of those stories, mm-hmm. that's where your magic comes in. And that's where your, the power of your, not your big story, but all the little stories that, that, that sprinkle off from, from what you're doing uh, as a big organization. That's what nonprofits, and that's what, uh, quite honestly, for-profits, every business should be looking at, right, is what is that constant strain of energy, of excitement that keeps you coming back? What, mm-hmm. where, where are those individual stories? Mm-hmm. And, and that's your, that's your 50 states, 100 days. That's your right. big picture idea that's going to come together and tell the big picture, uh, you know, tell the big story, uh, when you add them all together. But, mm-hmm. You, you've got to be willing to break it down and you've got to be willing to get into the trenches and tell those stories and say, okay, uh, once every two weeks, uh, we're going to have our executive director sit down with one of our bigs, mm-hmm. right? And say, why are you a big? You know, what inspired you to do this, right? You've, right. Got, you've got 150 bigs in your program, you know, and, you know, probably half of them would be willing to, to talk on camera. So now you've got, now you've got 75 weeks of content that right. you can create by pressing mm-hmm. a button, you know, and having your, your executive director sit with a big in your office. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful content strategy just off the top of your head. <laughs> you know, that, um, again, you want to be as relatable as you can be. And by telling those little stories, as you talked about with the apples, I think that's the perfect approach. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it is sometimes tricky, especially for nonprofits, to be able to tell the stories, especially if they're dealing with, children, you know, and, and obviously it depends on the organization, right? Um, yep. you know, and, and, or homeless, you know, some, some things like that. And so you do have to get creative. Um, you know, Sweetwater Mission, for example, they, they do not ever use their clients' names um, because nobody, you know, you don't want it out there that you're homeless, you know, and, and Correct. all those various things. And, and they also don't do photographs of them. You know, they protect their privacy. Absolutely critical and very important, you know, and, and in no way would I have said, don't do that to them. But I told him, I said, so think about artistic, you know, they have a, 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 a um, clothing closet where people can come and, and get clothes. And I said, so don't show them trying on whatever, show their hand reaching for something, um, you know, and, and, and I said, you know, you can do this. It just kind of takes some thinking about how to do it. You know, show the rows and rows and rows of shoes that you have that are available or, again, the, the food, you know, all those various things. I said there are ways to be able to do it. And, you know, some organizations will use just first names and that's OK. You know, we, we mentioned Abby, the young girl who wants to be mm-hmm. the first female president. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so for those nonprofits, you know, we do want to encourage them. Think about your policy. If you don't have a social media policy. Hello, you need one. That's going to be our public service announcement for the day. You know, make sure that you have that policy and that your volunteers know it, too. Um, you know, because that, you were very conscious of what you could and could not post Had on behalf of these organizations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and so, you know, your volunteers, your staff, all of those folks need to know what is acceptable and what is not. Because, again, you do have to protect privacy. You know, some people just don't want their, their images out there. 
and that's perfectly fine. I think the idea of what is acceptable versus what is not is interesting, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I prefer to try and look at it from a, well, what do, just simply, what do we have to avoid, right? What right. can't we do so that we can open up literally everything else for what a, else you know, to there? do, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and there were a few uh, homeless organizations um Along the way, I, I remember, of course, I mentioned Youth on Their Own. You know, I worked with our house in, in Arkansas, but that was on a Sunday, so there weren't too many people there. Mm-hmm. Covenant, Covenant House up in Alaska. It's tricky. It's, mm-hmm. It is tricky. Um, but my, my biggest advice to, to those type of organizations um, is to look at what they're doing from a non-social media right. marketing perspective, mm-hmm. right? That just because you can't show uh, these individuals certainly doesn't mean that you can't tell these stories. And, mm-hmm. um, that's what a lot of these, these, uh, staff members are tasked with every day already. Mm-hmm. Right. So how, how is it that you are telling these stories, right. you know, in another fashion, and then how can we translate those strategies onto a social media platform? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I find that at these, um, at these homeless organizations in particular, um, cause we're sort of on that topic. Uh, a lot of these staff members, um, are more articulate and they are great storytellers because they have to be, because they right. can't quote unquote rely on showing the kids all the time, mm-hmm. right? They can't quote unquote rely on, on showing, you know, and speaking to the people who are receiving their services. So they, they shoulder even more of the burden to mm-hmm. be a great storyteller on behalf of those who need to have their stories told. So how can we work with those people even more to be able to um, get them to express their stories uh, in, a, in a clear and, and uh, memorable fashion? Mm-hmm. You know, so the, every organization has its struggles. Um, but, you know, no matter whether, whether you can show the, the recipients of your, your service or not, um, you still need to be able to express those stories. Um, and, and they know that, mm-hmm. you know, that they're, they're competing for the same donation dollars that all these other organizations in their communities are too. Um, so there, there's no excuses, you know, for not sharing your story, uh, right. no matter what type of services you're offering. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mentioned that it has to be a truthful story. Now, sometimes you might be able to take a little, shall we call it, poetic license um, to, to make it slightly more dramatic or something like that. But um, it's interesting. I was at a conference recently where we had someone who was speaking about how he was telling the stories of nonprofits, and he, he ran some fabulous um, commercials that he had produced. And these, these, I mean, literally were tearjerkers. Yeah. And then, you know, we asked, well, what about, you know, these, you know, how, how do you, how did you get oh, did I lose you? children? No, I'm, I'm here. Can I, can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. We're back. We're back. Sorry about that. Um, and, and it's funny because you talk about technology issues in your book, but we'll just make people. <laughs> right. Um, but anyhow, you know, he had these these very powerful commercials, and they were clearly to raise funds and, and volunteers, things like that for the organization. And he admitted that he had used actors to tell the stories. And immediately, the room, you could kind of feel this, huh. You know, and, and it was funny because we understood that you couldn't show homeless children, you know, and, and things like that. But the, it really was kind of a... a a catch 22 that he had to use actors. And so, you know, I encourage nonprofits figure out a different way to do that. Um, you know, maybe you, you don't have images. Maybe it's a very graphic display of, of a printed story 
you know, or a voiceover or something. But but it was really funny because our, you know, I, I talked to somebody afterwards and they said, and they were one of the people who I could tell immediately had thought, oh, I don't like that he used actors. Mm-hmm. And and their response to me when I asked them later, you know, why did you have that kind of visceral reaction? They said, well, then why would I believe the stories and why would I believe what else they were saying? Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and I mean, it really was a weird uh, catch 22 because there are just so many times when you can't use those images of people. Well, w- another way that you can approach it, you know, and again, there there's no one right or wrong way in, in this particular scenario. But I know in particular uh, in Tucson, for example, that, that Kristen, uh, who's now their uh, development director, and congratulations to her. She's worked her way up the chain there since I interviewed her uh, as a, a grant specialist uh, during the trip. Um, she is proud to uh, relay the story that she was a, uh, she was a homeless teen um, who was actually in the program, and she benefited mm-hmm. from the program. And I think that's that's an approach that um, a lot of organizations can can look at big picture right. too. Is is mm-hmm. look at the people who who have successfully made it through quote unquote mm-hmm. the program or who have benefited from the program and now who are um, who are not homeless anymore or who are not uh, struggling uh, with uh, addiction anymore and and those sort of things. You know, I I, I facilitated a, a fantastic and I know we're talking fifty states, one hundred days, but you know the work that I did with Humana last year. And getting a chance, um, you know, to to work with uh, Kathy Dobbins and work with uh, Cliff um, at Wellspring in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, it, it's a center for um, folks who have gone who have struggled with uh, mental uh, disease and and mm-hmm. struggles that way, and. Um, you know, oftentimes the, those struggles lead to other um, problems that that end up uh, leaving folks homeless, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Wellspring does a phenomenal job of providing uh, shelter for um, these these individuals. Cliff um, is was their big success story, you know, and and most organizations have stories like this that they they right. invest a lot of money to to create the big produced video at the the, the annual meeting, and um, you know, Cliff was there. Uh, Cliff is now working with Wellspring. He's now mm-hmm. a, uh, I don't remember his exact title, but he's incredibly well-spoken. And I said, Kathy, this is your perfect opportunity. Cliff is the guy. He's literally the guy that you've identified mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to share your organization's story. Um, mm-hmm. Let's do a Facebook Live with him. Mm-hmm. And so we called Cliff. We got him back in like two weeks later and sat down and it was the, the most viewed thing that Wellspring has ever done on their social media channels, um, people were crying. All the comments in the, the Facebook video were, mm-hmm. were just, this is unbelievably powerful. And I point to that example over and over again because um, that's the sort of uh, content that they would have never imagined creating. And now mm-hmm. we can we can we want to try and lift up these examples to show all the other Wellsprings uh, and I say that with quotes, um, because there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of other organizations like that around the country, um, that have these opportunities to share stories. And it's just, a, it's just a matter of encouraging and showing how simple it is, you know, to, to stand up your phone, press that button and share your story. Right. You know, and, and sometimes you really do have to get very creative, which is, you know, for some people, that's just not what they do, you know, and, and, um, you know, so again, that's where if 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 you're the type of volunteer who can help them see things like that, you know, or, or all of those things. And 
and really think outside the box. Um, as you know, as, as we were talking about images you can and cannot use, I remember I was thinking of one many years ago when I was still in Denver. Um, the, the company that I worked for was extremely philanthropic. And um, and luckily, we had lots of money that we could give back to the community. And, and, and I was very fortunate that my position was that person. I was in charge of that. And so I got to I got to meet some of the coolest. I got to feed elephants at the zoo, you know, and do all sorts of fun stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also worked with a homeless woman's shelter. And I remember <clears throat> this was years ago. See, and here I can still remember this. Um, we had a, a woman that... The shelter was actually named after because she had not survived. Um, but when they first met her, she was extremely traumatized. And all she kept saying was she'd lost her rope. She'd lost her. And we're like, rope? Every night she would climb a tree and tie herself to the tree and sleep there. Because she was too scared to actually go in homeless shelters. Because for the most part, homeless shelters have men in them. And, and she had been sexually assaulted. And so she just simply would not go into a, a shelter. And so, um, you know, and, 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 and someone had stolen her rope. So she literally did not know where or how she was going to sleep. And the image that we used to portray that was just a rope and a tree. You know, and, and, and we had to be very careful, you know, as, as to how that <laughs> yeah. rope was shown, obviously. Right. But, um, but, you know, it really was one of those where we didn't have to show her. We didn't have to give her name. Now, the nonprofit was actually named in her, her honor and her memory. Um, but, you know, it was one of those where that was really all you had to show. And, and people who knew the story went, oh, my gosh. Um, you know, and, and, and it was just such a powerful image to think about that. And, you know, so how many stories do we have like that where, you know, you, you went to, you know, some literacy programs. Yep. So, you know, piles of books, you know, it, things like that, that, you know, would really, that, that people can associate with and, and think about. You know, none of us listening to this program are hopefully ever going to be in a position where we have to sleep in a tree. But, you know, we can think about, oh, my gosh, what if I hadn't had books as a child? Or, you know, what if I was homeless? What if, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, and, and in your book, you've got several um, examples of, um, you know, just, just kids who need a little extra help. You know, how many times, you know, we, we, we all have the saying, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. You know, that's those stories that we want our nonprofits to tell is to get people to think, oh, my gosh, that could be me. That could be somebody I know, somebody I love. What can I do to help? You know, I spend a lot of time encouraging organizations to think big picture and to look at their big three organizational goals, right? And how does what you're doing translate to, uh, how does what you're doing on social media translate to these bigger goals uh, that you've set for your organization? Um, but I think sometimes we get lost in that idea of thinking mm -hmm. big picture, think big picture, give me the big statistics, the big numbers, right. and we lose sight of what our organizations are really about, mm -hmm. which are these one-to-one -one or one-to-a-few transformations mm -hmm. and these big-time changes that take place every day, whether it's a, a, a boys and girls club, you know, and you're playing with the kids or a homeless organization, uh, you know, whatever organization you might be with, mm -hmm. um, 
It's about those one-to-one moments. And that mirrors exactly what social media at its core is about as well, right? You know, when we sit around the the dinner table, we're sharing stories Mm -hmm. with our families about what happened to us each day. That's why these individual stories are so relatable on social media, right? No one, no one over the dinner, dinner table is talking about those big picture concepts. They're talking about the little things that they saw uh, on Facebook that afternoon, mm-hmm. where they're talking about those individual stories, that 90-second clip that someone saw on YouTube at work that morning. Right. And so when you, when you string together all these stories, one after another after another, you can build a content calendar, you can create a strategy out of this, and you can really develop a way to carefully and cautiously and, and gradually earn the trust um, of your community, of your audience, of your donors, of your potential volunteers, and of the people who really genuinely do care about what you do, but who are looking for that in. They're looking for that, that special invitation to understand exactly why they need to support um, you know, the YMCA, the Boys and Girls Club, Covenant House. Um, regardless of the organization, um, it's those individual little stories that when you take the time to share them, that's what's going to capture the attention of, of these people that, that you need on your, on your team. Right. You know, and, and I do want to mention, though, that you know, if you're a nonprofit, you do have to remind people, hey, we're looking for volunteers. We're doing a pledge drive. All those various things, because you don't want them to get so caught up in the stories that they forget, hey, you know, we need money or we need people. Right. Um, right. But just don't make it the focal point of what you're doing. Yeah, no, of course, you know, your stories need a call to action. Um, your, your overall strategy, again, it does need to tie back into what you're trying to accomplish, right? right? And it's always good to ask yourself, is what I'm doing and, and the story that I'm sharing uh, opening us up to uh, these ultimate goals? Are, are we raising money? Are we changing lives? Right. You know, and there's a careful balance there, Deb. You know, there, there, you really have to, to figure out how to walk that line and understand Yes, I do need to be dedicated to telling stories um, while we're still uh, aiming at those those bigger or- organizational goals. Um, so, so it's it's a balance, mm-hmm. just like everything else in life. It's a balance for right. sure. Well, Chris, we've only got a couple minutes left, and we've been talking about your book, Fifty States, One Hundred Days, and how you made this great trip to fifty states and worked with nonprofit organizations, you know, in every single state. What was your favorite? You know, and, and I know that they were all just absolutely wonderful. Really, which, and, and I'm saying putting you on the spot. Which one was your favorite, Chris? It's so hard to answer that question, Deb. We could we could go on for another full right. hour because about 50, actually 51. See, I did read the book. You did two in New York. <clears throat> there you go. Yep. So, yep. You know, and, and I know that they were all very special. But was there one that really just stood out? Well, there, there were, honestly, uh, I hate to keep on parsing, but there were several, right. um, but, but we, we touched on a couple of the other ones and I've mm-hmm. talked about them on other podcasts. Um, uh, the youth rebuilding New Orleans experience was really special. Of course, Abby in, in Cheyenne, Wyoming, mm-hmm. uh, if you read the book, that's the story that you're going to walk away with. Yes. Um, and we're but, all going to be team Abby. Oh, we got to be team Abby. Vote, vote Abby 2052. Um, but let's, let's take 30 seconds to share one more story um, that I haven't told on another podcast, which would be uh, Eat South in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away um, by these urban farms that this, this community has there um, in Montgomery. Um, you know, that this is a community that has uh, struggled quite a bit um, with, with uh, you know, 
you know, being a food desert and uh, instructing youth um, how to uh, not not just to to eat these good foods, mm-hmm. but also the importance of it. You know, so I spent the morning um, at Peter Crump Elementary School. I actually met the mayor of Montgomery, Alabama, Mayor mm-hmm. Todd Strange, um, and had this phenomenal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was right at the outset of the trip, and I was like, "Wow, this is why I'm on this trip. This mm-hmm. is why I'm going around because." This organization, this group, Eat South, um, is really inspiring the next generation uh, of youth to want to eat healthy, to want to grow their own vegetables in their backyard, to want to um, visit the urban farm that's right there behind the Montgomery Advertiser. And when you see the photographs, when you see the the stories um, behind what Eat South is doing um, in Montgomery, it reminds you um, that there is hope you know, uh, from, from at least a health perspective. And this is just one of the, the many, many angles, uh, that you can find there, um, in the book, um, which I'm so grateful you took the time to, uh, to check out. Right. Well, Chris, tell folks how they find you and how they connect with you online. Yeah. So it's Chris Strub, C-H-R-I-S-S-T-R-U-B, pretty much everywhere. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Musical.ly, Periscope, all these different channels. Um, it, my website is teamstrub.com and that's where you can get links to get the book. Um, you can also sign up for my course, Live Streaming for Nonprofits, which just came out in the last uh, few weeks here. Perfect. Um, and, um, yeah, keep in touch. I'm I'm most accessible probably on Twitter. So right. you send me a tweet. That's how I found Deb to, to get on this podcast. Yeah. And I'm very, very grateful for your time as I continue to run over <laughs> into the expanses of this podcast. So thank you so much, Deb. Well, and Chris, I know that you're going to have another adventure soon that we're going to have to talk about on the air. So I look forward to talking with you again. I can't wait. This was this was wonderful, and uh, I appreciate your patience with my uh, my Skype troubles here this morning as well. Oh, you know, for those for those of you who don't know, we did have some technology issues, but you know, we just make those go away. <laughs> but yeah. it it is something that happens, and so for you out there who are thinking you want to do this, remember, technology does have problems on occasion, so have backup plans. I was going to say, Deb, last point. If uh, if you think this is bad, you should try doing a, a live stream in uh, Hayes, Kansas, right. oh, <laughs> as yeah. you're driving across the country. Yeah, because yeah, there's not an awful lot in Hayes, Kansas. I've been through no. a lot. <laughs> so I have been having an absolutely delightful time talking with Chris Strub about his book, 50 States, 100 Days. You can find him at teamstrub.com, and you'll find all of his information there. I am Deb Creer, and until next time, everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.